Is coronavirus chasing Nick and I? We'll discuss it. It's obviously having an effect on the markets. Everything from people speculating that Netflix stocks should be higher because people are being quarantined in their own cities and will be home to copper taking a pretty big hit this week on the bears perspective that this will affect the global economy. We'll talk the U.S. indices. We'll talk gold, which continues to serve its purpose as a hedge against volatility. Volatility is increasing. We'll talk Apple versus the government here in the U.S., Microsoft and the climate, Goldman Sachs and diverse boards, and snake organoids. I am Gerardo Del Real along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 54 of Bizarro World. Mr. Hodge, how are you, sir? So many topics this week. So many topics. I'm doing good, Gerardo. It was a busy week. How are you? I am fantastic. Thank you for asking. There's a lot to get to, so let's get to it. But before we get to some of those topics, I have to ask for your feedback on the record here of the multiple conferences I believe you attended this past week in Vancouver. I know you were at the Vancouver Resource uh, Investment Conference. Can we talk about the sentiment, the mood, the energy, the vibe? It was a rainy, rainy week and weekend <laughs> in Vancouver. I've had some good weather the past couple of times I went, but it rained the whole time. And other than that, though, the mood was good. There was um, the Metals Investor Forum, and then there was the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference, and then there's a bit more technical conference, uh, more like business to business for the companies roundup, where um, you know they have a lot of core and geologists and engineers are there and such. And I gave a a walk through that floor on the way to lunch one day, and the mood. Um, in general, from I think both companies and investors was um, buoyant and Im improving, right? Um, attendance was up. The deal room was buzzing. It was uh, full at 8.30 a.m. on the first day of the conference. I I'd say about every table was uh, full with, you know, companies seeking capital or talking to newsletter writers or analysts or um, strategics or whatever it was. And then uh, a lot of the talks in the big speaker hall um, were flowing out into the hallway. And um, you can sort of manipulate that a little bit. If I'm being honest, you can put fewer chairs or you can sort of make the walls go in a little <laughs> bit. It's like a tactic for conferences, right? But what was it? What you really can't fake is the um, the buzz on the exhibit hall floor, right? The amount of people walking up and down the hallways and um, at booths. And so um, there was a lot of shoulder bumping. There was a lot of walking tours that had 40 or 50 people in them. And so um, it, it felt good to be there. It felt good to to see that. And um, hopefully there's more of that to come. Was there any intentional shoulder bumping? <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, you know, I caught up with Barry and mining for a couple of minutes. And then I, I caught up with, with Warren Stanier. No, there was... Um, I don't think any any fisticuffs, though, um, that, at least that I saw. Let's talk Barry, and that's interesting. And I know we want to get to the markets, but, you know, we, 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 we poo-pooed the share structure uh, maybe a month or two ago. And I think rightfully so. We didn't say anything that wasn't factual. We just pointed out the way that they decided to structure um, their, their pre-IPO shares. I thought it was fair. It's also fair to say that they've struck a deal um, to purchase Kinsley Mountain from Liberty Gold, which has had great success with their Black Pine project in Idaho. But Kinsley Mountain is a project I really like, and it's a project that I know 
Moira Smith, the geologist for Liberty Gold, really likes. And from everything that I've heard, uh, Barian Mining, it's, it's, it's interesting to me, you mentioned both uh, Barian and Warren Stanier of Nevada Sunrise fame, but from everything that I understand is the company plans on raising quite a bit of capital to make that transaction happen. I hear that is going well. And I also hear they plan on deploying that capital pretty aggressively for what I believe will be a final great real drill program for Kinsley Mountain. Liberty Gold has had this thing on the back burner for many, many years, for many, many reasons. And I am excited to see that property be drilled out. Full disclosure, I, I, I own quite a bit of Nevada Sunrise shares. Nevada Sunrise owns just over 20% of that property. So I'm excited to see which way the drill bit takes shares in Nevada Sunrise. So Again, you know, we, 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 we talked about the share structure, what we didn't like and why we didn't like it. Um, but I like this deal. Any thoughts on that? Any, 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 any whispers on the raise and the money that they're supposed to come up with in order to make this transaction happen? It, if you remember, it wasn't just the share structure, but the property as well, because we had just seen the property um, drilled by uh, Allegiant the year before uh, by a geologist who um, should have known it pretty well. And they came up. Um, relatively empty-handed. So it seemed like a promote of a recently drilled property to me, which also left a bad taste in my mouth. And and turns out that, 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 that you know what, I was probably correct because they quickly pivoted to another project, right, that they're going to raise a lot of money for um, and put the money into. Um, and so I'm with you. Um, I'm a Nevada Sunrise shareholder and um, I know we've wanted to see that property drilled. And so um, now we get to do that. Um, it sounds like it's going to be with Moira and it sounds like, um, yeah, Marion's going to get the money raised and then some. And so, um, you know, excited to see drills turning on that deal. That's exciting. Uh, for those not familiar with Kinsley Mountain, multiple targets, um, high grade at depth. A lot of near-surface oxide gold targets. There's a northern part of that property um, that was rolled into it a few years back that is untested, I believe. And I'm just freestyling it here off the top of my head in memory. But there is a 12-kilometer strike worth of targets on the property. And it's in Nevada, so it's got the right address. So I am hoping that works out for shareholders because if it works out for their shareholders, it's going to work out for us as Nevada Sunrise shareholders. So um, we're rooting for y'all. <laughs> let's, let's leave that there. Let's talk about um, coronavirus. It's affecting the markets uh, more seriously. It's claimed um, a, a couple of lives. And, you know, I joked that it was following Nick and I. Well, we now have two confirmed cases in the U.S., one is in your stomping grounds, Washington State, and the second um, is a new patient from a woman in Chicago, which of course is where I spent my childhood and 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 you know what kind of rings as home in my heart outside of Mexico, right? So um, very, very serious. It seems to be getting, like most viruses do, more serious by the day. Here in the U.S. alone, there are 63 patients under investigation. That escalated rather quickly. This is spread out over 22 states. Um, obviously, in China, we're talking, I believe, eight. Well, they're saying 26 now. Um, that just broke. 26 people in China 26, have died. Yeah. And more than 900 worldwide are infected. China has a quarantine, the equivalent of 36 million people over 12 Chinese cities. And so um, very serious 
for life, obviously, but the markets, big reaction in the markets as well, right? The copper price has pulled back. We talked about that a bit. Um, the gold price has firmed up. We saw a nice little move today. It finished the day right at the 1570 level. The U.S. indices seem like they are hesitant to head higher. I actually believe this is actually news that may cause a a, a, a significant but short-lived correction um, in the near term. Any thoughts on gold, copper, and the U.S. indices, and of course, coronavirus as it relates to viruses in general? This is a theme, by the way. I, I have to give credit where credit is due. Uh, Mr. Jim Dines has been ahead of this, not just for months, for years. He's called for these types of viruses and how it was going to limit travel and have an effect on the global economy. And, you know, sure enough, he tends to be early on a lot of things, but like Elon Musk, he tends to be early, but then it usually happens sooner or later. Right. Well, that's what he's made a career on. Right. And um, he's written for a long time that it's the, it's the end of the age of travel or the end of the era of travel, because it was going to just simply be too dangerous to go to, um, certain locales. And that's certainly been the case if you ask a bunch of Canadians that were on a Ukrainian airline a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, and now with the coronavirus here as well. So um, some 30 million people now restricted from from travel, I believe. And so I don't know how dangerous it is. I don't know if this is like a, a SARS thing, right? That was in 2004 or an Ebola thing that was in the news for a couple of months. But then was quickly brought under con- control. Um, I'm not, you know, a doctor and I don't have a crystal ball, but um, clearly it's affecting lots of people. Um, uh, it's uh, clearly being talked about at the World Economic Forum in, in Davos. The, the WHO, the World Health Organization, has uh, convened an emergency meeting. They've yet to declare it like a, a global, um, whatever the terminology is, pandemic or outbreak, because it hasn't been uh, spread to enough countries yet. But it's certainly... Uh, disconcerting, right? It's certainly scary to see that. And it's a bit early to sort of um, have all the facts and digest them too, right? Because I still need to read more about, you know, exactly what type of respiratory infection it is and and who it's really affecting. Is it is it older people and kids and people that have immuno issues or is the general population at large also um, at risk, et cetera? And then uh, before we started recording, someone sent me an article that said um, there were there were there were um, health officials in China warning about this a couple of months ago, saying that it could kill millions of people. Uh, haven't yeah. had a chance to process or verify that, so it's it's obviously early, and um, the media loves a good scare, and it's a good story to run with. Um, and so I just don't know yet. And the only other thing I'd say is sort of echoing what you said is. Could it could it incite a sell off? Absolutely. I mean, the I think everyone's been searching for a catalyst for that, right? And so I don't know what it's going to be, but this could certainly turn into it. It's interesting. Um, the dollar has had its best run, and it's at the highest level since the end of November. Um, I've I've been pretty clear in my calls that you know in 2019 I thought the dollar index would hit triple digits. It flirted with triple digits. It pushed up to that 99 level. Never quite broke it. Um, I think everybody that I know, um, people a lot smarter than I have called for uh, the death of the dollar in 2020. And and, and I, I just simply don't believe that. I believe that, you know, capital flows into the U.S. are going to are, are, are going to push the dollar past that triple digit mark. Um, so the 10 year, you know, the 10 years down to, to the 168 level again after being at that 180, 190 level not too far uh, ago. So 
definitely something for people to keep an eye on. I don't believe this is something that obviously goes away in the next day or two. And hopefully it's something um, that is brought under control. Uh, we'll just leave that there. I want to talk about a report and an article I read today about the 34 U.S. service members that were diagnosed with traumatic brain injuries after the Iranian missile strike. We touched on it a bit last week. We now have more information. Um, Donald Trump, after the attack, said everything is okay. We were told over and over um, by the administration that no injuries to U.S. personnel, zero injuries. And now we find out that 34 U.S. service members have been diagnosed with traumatic brain injuries. Um, several are being, nine of them are treated, being treated in Germany. Eight are being treated um, in the United States. And so, you know, these range from concussion-like symptoms to more serious type of injuries. I really, I, 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 I want to pick my language carefully. It's beyond me how as a country, this isn't a bigger deal. And it sounds like we say this every week about different things, but you know, this is the country and the party that says they love their U S soldiers more than anything. Right. And yet over and over again, um, it seems like what people just love is the party, you know, whether it's the left or the right, the lie seems to be okay if it's being told by your party. And so my question is, does the truth matter anymore, Nick? We're, going, we're, we're in an election cycle. You know, we got the debates on the Democratic side. Um, but, you know, it seems like if you just repeat things enough to your base, it doesn't matter if it's true or not. People won't follow up. Is, 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 is this like the dumbing down of the citizenry? It's post-truth. I thought we, I thought we knew we were living in the post-truth world. I told you a couple of weeks ago that... Um, Chuck Todd was talking about this and, and what makes truth and what makes a fact. And he was playing a clip of uh, Giuliani saying that truth isn't truth. Remember I was talking about that. Yep. And so, yep. um, yeah, it's, it's whatever you can make it. That's this whole um, fake news uh, study for everything. Meat's good for you. Meat's bad for you. Wine's good for you. Wine's bad for you. Right. There's like a study for everything. And so, um, everything becomes convoluted and, and hard to slice through and um, no one knows what's real or what's fake or, or who's lying to them. And that's where we are, the bizarro world, right? Agreed. Let's talk Glenn Greenwald. Let's keep it to governments, right? The Brazilian government is accusing. Well, here Pulitzer you go. Yeah, the Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, um, who, of course, is most famous for publishing the documents that were leaked by Edward Snowden. This, of course, exposed the NSA's mass surveillance program in 2013, um, a program, again, that was being run by um, both major parties in this country, in the U.S., and it was a, a, a global uh, program and surveillance program. Um, so anyhow, Greenwald's been reporting on Brazil and corruption and the political motives of all of these scandals coming out of Brazil and so now he is being accused of helping guiding and encouraging hackers who obtained the Brazilian officials text message that informed his reporting so basically they're saying you reporting on this accurate accurate piece of corruption is a crime it doesn't matter That's that it. you are a journalist um, this is no different people. This is my take. And then I, I'd love to hear yours, Nick, than what we did to Edward Snowden. 
um, he gave documents to journalists exposing something that was true, not a lie, true. Oh, and by the way, illegal. And the only person that got in trouble was him. Again, <laughs> are, are we, and, and I know the answer, it's a rhetorical question. Are we at the point where the truth just doesn't matter anymore? And, and, and how dangerous do you think this is, Nick, that, you know, a, a country like Brazil um, is directly going after the press. And, and I asked the question because here in the U.S., of course, this president is hell bent on, on telling everybody that'll listen to him that journalists are the enemy of the people, you know, with few exceptions. You know, Sean Hannity's all right. There's a couple of other ones. But, you know, he's even gone after Fox News um, uh, correspondence that, that, that have questioned some of the motives and veracity of his statements to be kind. Thoughts? You know, it's a... Uh it's a theme that's been going on for a long, long time. And probably as long as there have been um, leaders and rulers and courts, you know, great Russian novelists like Dostoevsky was writing about themes like this, where um, someone would be put on trial because, or if someone was on trial, they would then attack the way in which the information was discovered, not the fact that the information was discovered. Right. Um, and so that's exactly what's going on here. As you said, he was, he reported facts. The reporting was accurate. Um, I think it got the former Brazilian president Lula da Silva, Lula da Silva, um, out of prison because the the facts he brought to light were saying that you know were were true and not the way um, that the situation was framed before. And so the current president doesn't like that, and they use um, hacking laws to um, try to charge him with the way he got the information, like you said. Um, notwithstanding the fact that the information was true. And so clearly the establishment doesn't like this guy. I mean, Edward Snowden is the one that helps, uh, or um, excuse me, the journalist here is the, is the one that helps Snowden <laughs> bring that. Greenwald is the one that helped bring Snowden's information to light, right? And so he's already got sort of that scarlet letter on him that he's one of the quote unquote anti-government people that are willing to bring truth to light no matter um, who in government it hurts. And so it's sad to see. I mean, and this is taking it further than even Trump has taken it right by by charging the journalist with breaking the law. And so um, I think that Greenwald just has a, a target on his back and um, and he's a heck of a journalist. Right. He's on the side of the people. He's on the side of truth. And he um, releases information that that helps bring um, that to light helps bring accountability. Imagine that. Here's something else that's disappointing for those of us here in the U.S. Out of the dozen or so presidential candidates that the nation contacted um, for comment in regards to this, um, the recent charges and this issue, the only one, the only campaign to reply was that of Bernie Sanders. And, and here's his quote or his tweet. Um, the free press is never more important than when it exposes wrongdoing by the powerful. That is why President Bolsonaro is threatening Glenn Greenwald for the crime of doing journalism. I call on Brazil to end its authoritarian attack on press freedom and the rule of law. Regardless of what you think of Bernie Sanders, who Joe Rogan said is 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 likely his candidate recently and was trending. I thought Joe Rogan died, by the way. I saw that he was trending on Twitter. <laughs> and I said, oh, shit, what happened to Joe Rogan? No, he just said he likes Bernie because in over 70 years of life, they haven't been able to come up with a real scandal with the guy, right? Whether you agree or not on his positions, he seems to be pretty damn consistent. Um, and I agree, that's to be commended. But I think it's telling 
that nobody else will speak out about this so far other than Bernie Sanders. It's interesting. Well, and Hillary's out here condemning the guy, right? Talking shit on him. He's got no friends. Nobody likes him. He can't work with anybody. I mean, it's just interesting how Hillary comes out this week and has tried to steal the nomination again from Bernie, and she's not even running this time. Did you see his clap back? No, I didn't. So she said, nobody likes Bernie. And he said, well, my wife likes me. That's enough. (laughs) (laughs) Bernie's tweet game is strong, y'all. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. Let's keep it to government. Apple versus the government. There's a legal dispute now between Apple and the FBI. Um, This has gone on for weeks, if not months. And so the government has filed a response to Apple's refusal to cooperate with a federal magistrate's order, instructing it to assist the FBI in circumventing the security features on an iPhone used by one of the San Bernardino shooters. Now, let, let me not even give my opinion on this. I want to hear yours, Nick, because I know you have strong opinions about this, and, and then we'll have a discussion about it. I mean, it's it's a lot of intertangledness that I'm sure we'll talk about, but um, good on Apple for, for, for sticking to their users and, and not giving up the privacy. You know, you, you buy a device with certain security features, and you expect those security features to be upheld, especially, you know, we just got done talking about Edward Snowden and stuff, right? And... Um, um, as privacy is being eroded and as a libertarian who likes privacy, I, I commend Apple to, to not give in um, to the government. And then, you know, you're going to make your, I don't know if you're going to make it, but the other side of that argument is about, you know, safety and, and, and uh, accountability and finding someone guilty and preventing terrorist attacks. Um, and, you know, Apple would say there's other ways to do that. You're not trying hard enough. It doesn't seem like you've really tried. You just want it to hand it to you. And so I'm glad Apple's standing strong at the end of the day. You know, I started thinking about taxes when I was thinking about this, right? I don't know why, but it's like um, you got all these companies who are, who are sort of sticking it to the government and aren't paying their taxes. And then the government um, is, is, is coming out and, and asking for their help. I just wonder if there's any sort of like ties there or connection. This is an important case, in my opinion. And, and the reason is this. If, if anybody out there thinks that the U.S. government doesn't have a way to hack into this phone, um, I have a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. Email me. Uh, send me a DM on Twitter. Do what you need to do. Um, I'll give you a great deal on it. There is no way in hell that I believe the government doesn't have hackers um, or, or people employed by it to, to break into things. Um, to, to unlock this phone. What they're trying to do is set up a precedent that allows for a backdoor. Exactly the stuff that Edward Snowden was telling us the government was doing, the NSA was doing, right? Um, they want to create software that allows federal and state prosecutors access to it that will then allow a backdoor so that they can continue to do the shit that they used to do and get away with, which is spy on people illegally and then find a way to use it against whatever political economic enemies said agency may have exactly like the situation in Brazil where they're not going after the corruption they're going after the journalism that exposed the corruption right it's the same thing with this people and uh, again kudos to apple um for 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 defending those rights here is their exact quote if apple creates new software to open a backdoor 
Other federal and state prosecutors and other governments and agencies will repeatedly seek orders compelling Apple to use the software to open the back door for tens of thousands of iPhones. Um, as an iPhone user, I commend the company for protecting the privacy. Me too. That's it. That's it. Yep, I think we're we're gonna agree on that one. Let's talk. Uh, let let let's keep it to tech companies, Microsoft, and the climate. The floor is yours, Mr. Hodge. So you want me to talk about this? It's just interesting how we can't. Um, well, I guess we could get governments to to coordinate, except for the U.S. who didn't sign the Paris Agreement, uh, Paris Agreements, but. Um, oh, you mean those things matter, huh? <laughs> yeah. So companies are now acting on their own and in, 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 in on a lot of important issues. We've talked about how Walmart was going to stop selling handgun ammo, for example. And we've talked about how um, credit card companies and banks have discussed whether or not they will allow the purchase of firearms. And I was reading something the other day. I think it was like the uh, New York Times deal letter or something. And it was about how Microsoft announced ahead of this. Um, World Economic Forum that um, they were going to be carbon negative by uh, 2035. They were going to um, buy energy credits, reduce their emissions, um, do all these things to green themselves up, right? Um, but the interesting part to me was that they were going to spend $1 billion investing in um, solutions to the um, climate crisis. And it, it was just interesting to me the way um, they worded it and what they're going to be investing in. It's not energy producing things like clean energy. It is carbon removal things. And this is something I've talked about before, mm, practical, yeah. practical solutions to um, this crisis, right? If it's, if the problem we have to solve is um, getting the carbon PPM down in the atmosphere, parts per million or parts per billion or whatever, then we should start focusing on ways to remove carbon from the atmosphere not <laughs> imagine reducing, that <laughs> not reducing the amount of carbon we put into the atmosphere but actually taking the carbon out and so i've talked before about how you know like one of the best things you can do is plant a tree right and so actually they're talking about planting trees this week in davos so i have to find a link and post it but it's like it's like one of the most new wave solutions to climate change plant a tree who'd have thunk but anyway you're, um, you're a man ahead of your time nick what can you say uh, Microsoft is investing a billion dollars in carbon removal. So they're trying to find a way to basically, you know, hoover the 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 carbon out of the air, which hasn't been um, accomplished economically yet. And you've heard the terms um, carbon capture. Um, it used to be called CCS, carbon capture and sequestration, um, where you would capture it and then sequester it somewhere um, uh, like in a cavern or in a cave or underwater <laughs> or something. And so, um, you know, uh, who knows if it's going to work or if they're going to find an economic solution. But to me, that's like a real world pragmatic investment, right? Not um, Jesus Christ. I saw something the other day about diamond batteries for fuck's sake. No, let's talk <laughs> about getting the carbon out of the air. Diamond batteries is hilarious. Oh, this is what um, it was. It was diamond batteries. Uh, it was a diamond battery. So you know how like now we have lithium batteries and for that you need sure. nickel and lithium. This was a diamond battery. And the only thing you needed for this battery was diamonds and spent nuclear fuel. So it seems like we'll adapt, we'll adapt it tomorrow. Is that, that, that was it, huh? Adopted, those two ingredients? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Here, <laughs> we'll leave that there. Common sense goes a long way sometimes, people. Um, some more uh, interesting news that I want your opinion on. We've talked about merit-based opportunities, merit-based diversity, 
Um, we've touched on that before. Goldman Sachs now is saying that it won't take startups public with at least one diverse director on its board. Um, and specifically, it's focusing um, strongly on having at least one woman on its board before taking a company public. I would love to hear your thoughts on this because I have a couple. Yeah, you know, um, I agree with the sentiment. Um, I obviously am for diversity, though I'm not for mandated uh, diversity. Uh, and we've talked about this topic before, too, where you say, you know, you have to have a certain amount of black people or Asians or white people or whatever it is, gay people. And so um, I don't like those those reports when I see just things added up and then we say, um, oh, well, only, um, you know, four of the movies that were in the box office last year had a female director. And it's like, well, okay, like only 3% of nurses are male. Like, what are we going to do? You know, I mean, like, I, I don't know. Um, and so <laughs> I, I, I saw this I saw this guy from, from Goldman Sachs, the CEO and chairman Solomon say on the sidelines of Davos that, you know, we're not going to, as you said, um, shepherd or consult or take a company public that doesn't have a, a female on its board. And so I'm thinking a couple of self, things I'm thinking to myself. Okay, so I cure cancer and all my board members are white. You're not helping me go public. I don't think so. Um, and, 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 you know, and then it's like, I'm going to play I'm going to play devil's advocate and tell you and, and, and ask you, do you think that you could cure cancer without at least one woman on the board? <laughs> I was thinking that, too. And then, you know, I was I was I was thinking that in the same exact firing of my synapse you know somebody's gonna say well it's gonna be a woman who cures cancer anyway right so i don't know you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't but if you actually read the article um and this is like the other thought i had is that like this is total lip service and that is true because it's not like a firm commitment he says in the interview oh you know like one or two might slip through the cracks but you know as a general rule we're gonna aim for it so um i don't know i guess it's just um, the era we're in with the, the Me Too and everything like that and, and Goldman Sachs trying to gain some some culture points, but I don't know how much oomph they're really going to put behind it, and I'm not sure um, that's the best way to foment diversity. I agree that there's other ways to foment diversity. The problem as I see it is that unless companies are prodded to do it they're not going to so if i and i think we're talking about the same article if you read further down there's a point that even surprised me and i'm pretty cynical right it said that 60 companies in the us and europe that have gone public recently had not just all male boards all white all male boards now again even the cynical person that I tend to be when it comes to corporations, um, that even took me by surprise a little bit. That means if you're not male and you're not white, there were 60 companies that went public um, recently. Recently, you couldn't find anybody that was worthy. We talk about merit-based opportunities. I cannot believe that there is nobody within these organizations that just on merit alone deserves a board seat that is not white or male. And in this case, white and male. It seems pretty exclusive, that club. 
at least when it came to those 60 companies. So maybe there does need to be some prodding. Uh, maybe there do, you know, do need to be some guidelines in regards to, you know, or at least guidance, um, you know, a disclosure. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't have it. Uh, this is not my field of expertise, but I can see bullshit from a you know mile away, and, and and this looks like bullshit. Did you see also if it was the same article that the companies that had a woman um, on the board uh, performed better, that had better equity performance? Sure, and and likely to mentor other women, right? Along with males, but also mentor other women, and again make it to where yes, we are encouraging the best and the brightest, regardless of color or age or sexual preference um, or gender. Just let's make it merit-based, but let's not say we don't want to just fill in positions because of their color, sexual orientation, you know, sexual preference, whatever, whatever, and then have this 60 companies that just, it's all white and it's all male because then I call bullshit, right? You're not doing it on your own. Systemic. Systemic is right. So yeah, both points of views. Um, I, I, I agree. This isn't uh, the, 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 the magic bullet that cures all, um, but it is at least a step in the right direction that corporations are having the, the, this discussion at the Goldman Sachs level. That's encouraging. You know, it may, it may be another generation before we see real merit-based um, positions being filled um, in the corporate world, but at least we're talking about it now. It's a step forward. Goldman Sachs, the global beacon of ethical business. <laughs> With its squid tentacles wrapped around the future of diversity. <laughs> You're welcome, Goldman. <laughs> Let's talk water, milk, and candy, Nick, because what could be better than water, milk, and candy. Well, hopefully nothing, because that's the only thing the Senate is allowed to have access to during the impeachment trial. Which was That's right. We, we got an impeachment trial going. I forgot all about it with all the crazy shit out in the world. So I didn't know that was a thing, but apparently that's a thing. The only thing, the only food and beverage that's allowed on the Senate floor during an impeachment trial is uh, water, milk, and candy. It used to be just water and candy, but in the 60s. Um, well, I guess it would have had to been the, the Nixon one. Somebody wanted a, uh, a milk and they allowed for it. So now it's water, milk and candy. There's a special desk on the Senate floor that has a drawer full of candy. And I had never heard of something so crazy. So I thought I'd pass it along. Let me ask you this. Is a trial without witnesses or testimony or reports or any of that? Is that a real trial? Like in any other aspect of not just the criminal justice system, just civil court, right? Have you ever seen a trial where people are arguing against having any witnesses or being, a, I thought the point of this was to get to the truth. And I'm asking a rhetorical question. Of course, we knew the way that this was going to go. The Democrats were going to go one way. The Republicans were going to go the other. I just didn't think that the Democrats would be so open about the fact that no, 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 no. We really don't want to know um, we want to suppress as much information as possible. And, and, and I'm somewhat surprised because of how, you know, uh, uh, boisterous Mr. Trump was about, you know, bring out the whistleblower. We want to talk to the whistleblower, right? Every day it was, it was a tweet about the whistleblower and how he needed to show his face, him or her. Um, we know it's a he cause he gave the name up. Um, but now all of a sudden we're at the point where we can do that. And again, I just want truth. 
I don't care what party is doing what. I want to know the truth. As an American citizen, I want to know what my government is doing, did, or is looking to do. And I want the truth. I don't care about the party. Um, but this, again, just screams bullshit. Thoughts, Nick? I mean, it's a, it's a perfect example of why neither party um, really cares about you ultimately and how they operate in their own spheres and, and with their own set of rules and, and ultimately do what they want or invent rules to, to get what they want, right? And so, um, you know, we talked about earlier how the truth doesn't matter. And, and like you said, people are more, you know, loyal to their parties and, and loyal to the political machine than they are to their constituents and to the Americans, to the American people. And so, um, yeah, it almost doesn't matter. Like, like he said, right. He could go out into, into the middle of Manhattan and shoot somebody and, and, and we might let him off. And, and, and that's exactly what the, what the Senate is doing, not allowing, um, the discovery process to, to play out, not letting a, a fair trial, uh, occur. And even if it did, um, would likely vote along party lines to, to make it go away anyway. And so if anyone is paying attention um, they should be seeing it, but I'm um, not sure how many people are paying attention. <laughs> They're not, or they don't care, right? Um, yeah, it is what it is. I saw an interesting tweet earlier that made me laugh, and I'm going to share it with you. Um, Michael Horner on Twitter, at Michael B. Horner, H-O-R-N-E-R, tweeted, so which Vancouver junior is going to get Prince Harry on their board first? And I thought it was hilarious. We talked Megxit last week and how they were moving to Vancouver and that move has now happened. They are in Vancouver. You didn't bump into Prince Harry or Megan when you were out there, did you, Nick, at the conference I, I, by chance? I, I didn't, but if I had to say which junior would get him on the board, it's probably that um, elephant mining company. Did you happen to see any of that <laughs> nonsense going around, Gerardo? <laughs> It was Lego, so funny. Le- Lego blocks are undefeated, man. Oh my gosh. It was, he had Lego blocks. He was saying like, these are all my stakeholders and this is my block model. And then, you know, he had like uh, what, what was supposed to be like geophysics and mags and stuff on a map, but it was just like smears of colors and the map on it, like South was up and North was down and it was a riot. And that guy was funny and the booth was well done. Yep, and uh uh-oh, here's some breaking news. I better keep my ass out of strip clubs. A Baylor student is being tested for a possible case of coronavirus in Waco. Waco's about 45, 50 minutes away from here. (laughs) Maybe not the best time to invest on a young lady's education, right? Oh, my goodness. Let's hope it's it's not and, and this thing gets contained. Let's let let's do that. Um, it's chasing us, Nick. It's following us. I know I landed at the airport um, in Seattle on what day was that Tuesday and I get back to my desk. I took an early ass flight. So I was able to get to my desk early and I got to my desk and one of my friends messages me and says, um, Hey, the coronavirus is in Washington. And I looked it up real quick and I was like, Oh shit. I was just at the airport, but <laughs> uh, like the international airport where you fly back from Wuhan from, um, And so anyway, the guy had already come back before me. And so I was a bit relieved, but who knows, you know, I mean, I was just in a, an international airport that has a lot of connecting flights to Asian cities, but I haven't had any symptoms so far. Thank goodness. All jokes aside, all the best to everybody that's dealing with this. And, and, and we hope this, um, this gets contained and that it doesn't, you know, take more people and affect more people. Um, cause, cause, because it could be all jokes aside, a very, 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 very serious thing. Um, that evolves as viruses tend to do. 
you wanted to talk about snake organoids and I have no idea what a snake organoid conversation sounds like. So I am all ears. So you want to hear about, um, this is your informative story of the week. Um, I had read this article a couple of weeks ago that said that um, snake bites were one of like the overlooked scourges on humanity. They cause like mm. 80 to 100 and some thousand deaths every year. Um, and it's not something that you can just like treat. It's not something you can make an orphan drug for um, or cure, right? Because there's so many different species of venomous snakes. And the way to get the anti-venom is quite complex. So um, you have to physically have one of the snakes or many of them to get enough venom. To, and then you have to milk them. You've seen this, I'm sure, where they you know, hold the snake by the back of the head and the fangs come yep. out and they put it through the latex and they drip the, the venom through. Um, and then there's like a chemical process that happens. They inject it into a horse um, and then the horse creates antibodies to fight the or anti-venom to fight getting bit by the, the snake. And then they extract those, the anti-venom um, defenses that the horse made. And that's uh, what they make the anti-venom for humans out of. Quite complex, right? And you're fucking mm, with yep. snakes and you're yep. fucking with injecting horses. Um, and so what we're able to do now, this research team has figured out, uh, and we've already started doing this a little bit with other organs, is you can take stem cells, um, not just from humans, but also from other animals like uh, mice and rabbits and rats and reprogrammed to grow into certain things. So um, we, we've already sort of done this with organs, um, take a stem cell and tell it to grow a heart or tell it to grow whatever, uh, or a kidney, liver, et cetera. Um, and even years, a couple of years ago, I wrote a promo, a newsletter promo about a company um, that was doing this with ears. They were growing ears from tissue culture. Well, anyway, the point of this story is, and, and those things are called organoids. If you grow an, an organ from a cell, um, it's called an organoid. Okay. Uh, and so what this research team has, has figured out how to do is to grow just the sacs, just the venom sacs from the snakes, from cells. Um, and so they can get um, cells from all the venomous snakes and just grow um, the venom sacs. And so, and then from there, they can turn them into antivenom. And so we don't have to mess with this entire um, process that we currently go through. We can like reprogram cells to grow the things. And I just thought that was absolutely um, fascinating and, and well done on humanity. Go humanity. Chalk one up for humanity. We spent yeah. so much of the time in the podcast, right? Poo-poo and humanity. Got, got, got something going. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I'll post a link because I'm sure I didn't do that uh, explanation justice, but um, fascinating stuff. Very neat. Very neat. We wouldn't be doing the audience justice if after your extensive due diligence, I know you were doing back-to-back-to-back -back -back meetings the whole time you were in Vancouver recently for the conferences. If you didn't throw out a name or two that stuck out, or and, and it, it can be a name we're familiar with already, just an opportunity that you may see out there for the coming quarter or two. Yeah, um, I'll give you two. One's going to be one I've talked about, but um, we're getting closer to drilling, and I had a chance to talk to the um, CEO of the Australian company Resolution that's spending $20 million to... Um, get 60%, I think it is, of, of, of Millrock's um, yep. uh, Good Pastor project. So, um, gosh, they're excited. Uh, they had a, a, a man-woman team there from Australia, and I talked to both of them. Um, was it merit-based? 
Oh, did why did she get to go? I'm not sure. Um, no, why did he get to go? <laughs> you know what? You know what was funny about that guy is he uh, he thought it was a total dog and pony show, right? He was like, um, you know, there was like I brought a walking tour to the booth, and they were carrying around like a giant printout of my head, and I was I was talking through a megaphone, and this Australian guy is like. You North Americans do things a heck of a lot different than we do them in Australia. <laughs> he thought it was just like over the over the top, right? Uh, but anyway, he's excited to drill. They're getting very close. All the drill roads are in. Uh, pads are constructed. Uh, they're going to be drilling in March. And um, you know, I can quote Greg because because he said it to a whole group of people. It's the it's the best shot he's ever seen in his career. And Greg Beischer's been around a while, so I'm really excited to. Uh, for drills to turn on that project. And then um, one, and this is just, I haven't really done any diligence. Gerardo, I was talking to you before it started off as I got to talk to a company called um, Critical Elements. And so we talk a little bit about lithium on here, but I hadn't seen this company or this project before, but it's in Quebec. It's a hard rock project. Um, economic, good economics has a, at the feasibility stage is trying to attract a uh, a battery partner to secure an offtake slash, um, you know, finance agreement. But, um, you know, share structure looks good, strong insider ownership, good economics on the on the project, a lot of holes drilled, um, you know, a, a good plan for for creating and constructing the mine. And so it's one that I'm going to take a bit a bit closer look at, because as we know, lithium is is at or very close to a bottom. Agreed. 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 And and then some of the better names in the lithium space have performed um, pretty well uh, to start 2020. So um, yeah, and, and frankly, you took my name. I was going to highlight Mill Rock Resources. They've pulled back a bit this past week or two. Um, you mentioned the 20 million that 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 is due to be spent here in the next five years. That's U.S. dollars, by the way. So you can calculate that's about 26 million uh, Canadian, and five million of that starts being spent. Um, in March, uh, when, when the drills start turning there on Northern Star's recent discovery at its Pogo mine, which borders Mill Rock's claims. So near-term catalyst, cashed up, big aggressive drill program, and uh, yeah, uh, a lot of news flow to come. So an exciting company, tiny market cap still, heck of an opportunity if they hit and there is a discovery of significance. Anything else I missed that you want to get off your chest, Nick? No, I'm good. I think that was uh, pretty uh, diverse, like Goldman's boards, uh, and I'm ready to head into the weekend. Like Goldman's boards wishes Goldman's <laughs> boards were. <laughs> That's it, everybody. I'm Gerardo Del Real. That was Mr. Nick Hodge. This was episode 54 of Bizarro World. Have a great week. I don't recommend traveling a whole ton if you can avoid it. Be kind to each other. Be nice to each other. Say something nice to each other. Don't be creepy about it. Have a good one, guys and gals. <laughs> See ya.